welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, I'm happy to report that the Warriors, they did a good thing tonight. But we'll get into all of that in a little bit. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by... I'm Daniel Wen. Guys, if you haven't watched Stranger Things, go watch it. Plus, the boys has been awesome and joining me as well. Yes, sir. Don't forget Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, it's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sells. Welcome back. Go ahead and follow the app somewhere on the screen there. Yeah, it'll it'll pop up, but don't worry about that. But speaking of Obi-Wan Kenobi, like a phoenix rising from a fire, the Golden State Warriors, they did what they were supposed to do by defeating the Boston Celtics by a ton. And this is what we expected out of the group, right? This is what we expected last game when they went on that third quarter run like they always do, but they fumbled the bag last time. This is what we expect. This is how things should be. This is how things should have been. And the Warriors should have been up 2-0. But that's that's past history. But yeah, what, what stood out to you guys? What was something that kind of caught your eye, whether it be in the third quarter or just in the game in general? First of all, Congrats on the Warriors tonight. Great bounce back victory. Um, they definitely look like the 2015 Warriors again out there. This is, as I as again, I've said before, this is the Redux team, the, 20, the 2015 Redux team. This game was won primarily in the first half with Golden State staying in the game, keeping it close. Golden State practically won this game in the first half by one, forcing, tur- forcing, tur- forcing turnovers by the Celtics. The Celtics committed a, an egregious amount of turnovers this, this game which practically handed Golden State the, the opportunity to blow them out in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And and Golden State practically nailed Boston down on tough defense, even though Jason Tatum was hot from, from downtown. So I think Golden State played better in the paint tonight, and that's, you know, turnovers and playing better in the paint in general is the reason why they won tonight. Yeah, and really quickly, G, before you hop in here, in the first half, the the Celtics had 11 turnovers to the Warriors' five. So turnover battle, really important. G, you're making a face. What's up? Um, just piggybacking off of what Daniel said, I just, I, in addition to that, I just feel like the Warriors had the juice. Um, they came in with all the aggression versus what we saw in first game with it, with it, where the Celtics were putting up a little bit more of a fight. They were a little bit more physical. But that was the Warriors today. As you saw Draymond Green get into it with Grant Williams in the first half, uh, Gary Payton getting the standing O. You know when he comes into the game, he's going to be very bring a lot of intensity. But what really stood out to me was Jordan Poole. Hey, you guy. Yes. I called him out last game, and, of course, he listened to this podcast, and he said, <laughs> really, real, I got you. And that swag – that confidence showed up in this game, and I think that's going to be vital for the rest of this series. So I'm going to have to say Jordan Poole gets the MVP or the brick MVP, whatever. We're going to come <laughs> up with a name. If you guys have a name for that, drop it in the comments. Let us know. But I'm going to say Jordan Poole stood out for me today. Yeah, and actually, I don't, I don't want to say like Jordan Poole by himself, but he did play better. He was more... He was more focused and he was playing more within himself, right? Because last game, it was pretty obvious that the bright lights, he wasn't used to it as any young player should be, right? Except for maybe mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, but he's he's a different breed. But I like the way that Jordan Poole played within himself. He wasn't doing too much. And I think with Gary Payton there, it kind of like stabilized his psyche in a weird way because he doesn't have to do too much, right? Gary Payton's got him on D. 
And then he, you know, he can just focus on the offense, especially at the end of that third quarter, because that was insane. I mean, if dudes could just like heave for how, how far was that? Like 45, 50 footers. Yeah. It was like almost to the half court line, that type of three. One of the longest ever, right? I don't know, man, but he was feeling himself because that was money, dude. If he can, well, not do that every single game, but if he can come like, just play within himself, play free, be happy. I mean, that's, that's a recipe for winning, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, and you, G, you talked about Derek White outplaying him. Well, Derek White, he had 12 points on four of 13 shooting. So yeah, Derek White's going to be a pest, but I don't think he's going to be that dude, right? Like like we saw last game, same thing in Marcus Smart. He had, wait, am I reading this right? He had two points and four fouls. So, I mean, those guys weren't carrying your team throughout an entire series. They didn't do it this game. And, you know, special mention to, to Al Horford. I mean, two points. Yeah, I mean, he basically the others, aside from no one really for the Celtics no one showed up and yeah it's one of those things where last time I said the Warriors need to win all three need to win three quarters for them to win and I think they did a very good job because just looking at the just looking at the score by periods here it's 31 30 in the first half first quarter for the Warriors 21 20 to the Warriors in the second quarter 35 14 I mean That'll do it. But what did you guys see with the Boston Celtics that was just, I don't know, it seemed kind of different, right? Because the third quarter, they fought back last game. But this, I think, what, within like halfway through the third quarter, like, or early in the fourth, Ime Yudoka already pulled the starter. So what did you guys see that was, I don't know, indicative of this loss for the Boston Celtics? First off, in addressing, again, just, just just a little bit, kind of stepping back to the Golden State thing, I think what the difference was between game one and two, games one and two, was that Golden State never put their, you know, they never let the, their foot off the pedal. So that's what happened. They were aggressive the entire game. I think what the key difference now going to Boston is between games one and two is that in game two, I don't think the Boston Celtics particularly played poorly this time around. It's just... For some reason, Tatum was the only one that actually really, really showed up. And then the other guys, they it's like that game one energy kind of kind of just got got wasting game two. And then like the guys just I just just think collectively, mentally, going into game two, these these Boston guys kind of like they they kind of exhausted all their energy and they came in emotionally fatigued. So that's what we that's kind of what happened tonight. And that's why Tatum, who kind of started slow in game one, had like a 28 all-star like, you know, performer like performance tonight. So it's in a way, the reversals of energy kind of happened with this Boston team. So that's why I think the result kind of happened the way it did tonight. All right. Gee, you made that you yeah. look. What's going on there? I, I hate to um point out the advanced analytics, but Jason Tatum was a negative 36 tonight. Um, (laughs) I'm not trying to call him out like that. I mentioned before in last episode, Kobe Bryant would shoot four for 20 in certain games, but there was just certain moments, certain iconic moments, certain points of the game where you know, knew Kobe's presence. And I just feel like Jason Tatum had a silent 28. It wasn't an all-star performance to me. 
Um, if we look at Jimmy Butler, just in comparison, he's shown consistency in the postseason countless years. That's the type of consistency I'm going to need out of Jason Tatum. He's not going to be able to have a regular game for the Celtics to win the NBA championship. 28 points, no offense to Jason Tatum right now. That's a regular game for you, my guy. I need I need, I need, need double-digit rebounds. I need you to be locking down defensively. I need you to pick your head up after you miss a shot. Maybe he needs to score an efficient 28. There's just certain things. I know the stats always don't tell stories. Trust and believe that because we have Russell Westbrook on our team. <laughs> but um, it's just it, – it, 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 it wasn't impacting the game. And we weren't – we weren't expecting the Celtics to be as consistent as they were in game one, where you had three, four people, three, four uh, players outside of Jason Tatum scoring 15 plus points. With that being said, Jason Tatum's going to have to have extraordinary games. He's going to have to be consistent overall um, in order for the Celtics to have a chance. Hmm. That's very interesting because last time it was what Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and Derek White, right? That was the, those were the guys for Boston. But like we mentioned, it, they just kind of disappeared. And with Jason Tatum, like, and I don't want to, I don't want to throw you guys on the spot, but I will anyways. If Boston were to, to win this series, what kind of games do you expect out of him? Because 28, what, how much, how many points did he have last game? 12, 12 yeah. and 13 assists? 12, yeah. So, very styling game. Right. If 12 and 13 gets him wins, but 28, six rebounds, three assists, and one steal doesn't get him the win, what do you guys foresee him doing so that they can get a win? Well, for one, I think what happened in game one was that, and what happened in game two, look at, look at the similarities of who won their, their games. Everyone on those, on those squads put in a team effort. So in, in game one, not only did Jalen Brown show up, like Derek White showed up, everyone showed up. They it, Again, it's a team game. They put in a cumulative effort. And we saw that here in Golden State in game two. Everyone was giving the same type of energy. So if Boston is, I think it's the key here. If Boston is going to win the series, it's it's not rocket science. Not only does Jason Tatum have to contribute like the way he did tonight, you know, scoring on 28 to 30 points. Jalen Brown has to come in there with 20 to 24 points. Derek White has come has to come in there with 18 to 20 points. It's all going to be about, you know, how much the revolving supporting cast supports the main superstar. So, I mean, if, you know, whoever does that the most wins the series at the end of the day. It's it's basic fact. It's just team sports. Right. And G, before you hop in here, just a quick note on Jalen Brown. In the first quarter, he went four of six for 13 points. The rest of the way, if I'm reading this correctly, he went one of 11. So, and he ended up with 17. So, go ahead, G. Um, <laughs> just like one of the uh, Jets and Top Gun Maverick, uh, he just fiddled out and he crashed and burned. And that's what's happening with uh, Jalen Brown. But much to what Daniel had said, I'm not putting it all on Jason Tatum for the Celtics to win. He's going to need support. But the things that he can do, is win his matchups every time. If he gets that switch, he needs to demolish whoever's in front of him. If Andrew Wiggins is not guarding you, shoot. If Andrew Wiggins is guarding you, you need to dominate that matchup. You need to be smart, strategic. You don't need to always attack the best defender on the team. If you get that switch, you go into the post, you square up. I saw uh, one play where Gary Payton first had first came in, first subbed into the game. He was guarding Jason Tatum. He had a square up uh, elbow jumper and missed. Things like that. 
I don't I haven't seen much commercial breaks where we have the camera crew go over to the huddle and see who's really vocal. I know the defensive anchor and the vocal uh, player on the Boston Celtics is Marcus Smart, but we're going to need to see that out of Jason Tatum. We're going to need to see his his ability to lock in. I don't need you to be a Draymond Green tough, even though Draymond Green got into his head the first half where he got a technical foul. Things like that. You need to be level headed. If you get that technical foul, that better raise the morale of the team. You see when Draymond Green gets the technical foul, all the anger of the Golden State Warriors gets funneled through him and these players up their game. When Jason Tatum gets the technical foul, look at the camera. What did he do? Head down, shaking his head, pointing his uh, pointing his fingers at the referees, what whatnot. Did the Celtics get their morale raised? Did they go on a run after that? No, the Warriors did. And I can't put too much blame on them. This is only one game. They're in. I want to say Oracle Arena. <laughs> what is the arena? Chase Center. Chase, Chase Center. Center. And I can only imagine the pressure it is to hear another three in the crowd raising and a sea of yellow. So I understand how that can be a lot of pressure. But there's other ways to impact that game. Like I said, take advantage of your matchup, um, even controlling the pace. And then it's all the nitty gritty. Are you talking to your teammates on the side? Are you uplifting their morale? Are you challenging them to be better? This is certain things that Jason Tatum is going to learn, have to learn to do as a young 23, 24-year-old in this NBA. Yeah, and it goes back to what we talked about, right, a few episodes ago, the experience. The experience factor because Draymond Green is that outlet, right? If something happens, he channels that outlet so that everyone else just funnels through him. But when you see these younger guys, when something kind of rattling happens, they don't know how to properly respond to it, right? So I guess it goes back to just the Warriors have been here before and they've played together for so long that it just, there's just this weird synergy, right? Like they know what's going to happen. But on the flip side, G, you mentioned Wiggins. What do you think about his play, you know, this, this game? Because he didn't do anything too crazy. He only had 11 points, uh, six rebounds, two assists, and nothing really else. But he was a plus 19, which is second highest on the Warriors. So obviously he was doing something well. Did you like his his effort, I guess, especially since he was crashing the offensive boards more? Um, Absolutely. Um, Wiggins is going to have to be that energy guy. I don't think he did too much to where I'm I'm sitting here having to take notes, notes and point him out for any lack or deficiencies this game. I'm not expecting him to, like I said, he has to just be an X factor. I'm not expecting um, a player to always score 20, always have 10 rebounds, always have 10 assists. As long as you're impacting a game that leads to a win, you've done your job. Now, if the score was reversed and he had these points, then maybe we might point that out, but it wasn't. I know that he hit a big three. Um, in that 10-0 run, what, during the second quarter? So things like that, where you have those vital moments where you are contributing to the game, and that's what Andrew Wiggins did today. So good job on him. I don't know how many possessions he was guarding Jason Tatum because there's a lot of switching going on, but I think he did a good job, and whoever is attacking Andrew Wiggins is going to have a tough time. Yeah, and that's kind of what you expected from a person like Andrew Wiggins, right? The pressure is not on him anymore. He can just be mellow, but be mellow at a hundred percent and get the, get the things that he needed to do. And right now I feel like that's his best role. It's just to be that guy, just to do all the nitty gritty along with Draymond Green, the X factor, like you said, Jay, but what about you, Daniel? what do you think about Golden State? I mean, about Andrew Wiggins, I think Andrew Wiggins practically did his job. He, he did what he was supposed to do tonight. Uh, like, you know, the scoring should, you know, 
Andrew Wiggins should contribute scoring wise as well, but that should that that job should be you know primarily be in the hands of Stephen Curry and guys like Jordan Poole. But there's one you know there's one Warriors player I have to call out tonight, and that's Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson mm. had a had a, had an atrocious night tonight from you know shooting from the field. You know he's Clay Thompson is still a vital. I mean he's obviously a vital part of this Warriors team. He's one half the Splash Brothers, and you know. If the you know, if the Warriors are gonna win you know four games in the series, he's gonna have to do better. You know, you can't you can't exactly have nights like that for the rest of the series. So if 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 I'm Steve Kerr, I have to I'm gonna have to sit Clay Thompson down. Let, let's have a little bit of a chat because the, the past two games, like he, he, come on, man, he, get let's get that engine started. Yeah, and you know it's it's very interesting. You said that you know people need to have a chat like a certain coach needs to have a chat with the, a certain player because something good always happens. So let's hope something good happens with Clay Thompson, because I mean, you wrote down in the notes here in the first half, he went one for eight and yeah. Okay. Maybe rusty, maybe he's just tired, but it's, it's crazy because overall he went four of 19 for 11 points. Hey, 11 points for number 11. Yeah. He went a plus minus zero. So he did, he was there. It's not like he was doing Tony Snell numbers, but he was just like, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, G talked about consistency. Is this the kind of consistency that we'll see from Clay Thompson? The inconsistency, if that makes sense? Possibly. It's the finals. This is supposed to be the most competitive game we are locking in for max seven games on a player but i think the the thing is clay thompson is still clay thompson clay thompson can shoot zero from 10 i'm still closing out on that 11th shot he's still spacing the floor and if you have kevon looney out there that's you know superman when it comes to rebounded you have a second chance opportunity you still have his spacing on the floor he's still throwing up those shots now i know we're gonna dock him because he's missing a lot of shots i would suggest he, he keeps shooting because you never know when, when, when Clay Thompson is just going to go off. He's a microwave. In the meantime, give Jordan Poole a little bit more of those minutes offensively. You still want Clay Thompson out there for his defense. No, he's not the same Clay Thompson five years ago, but he's still a better defender than Jordan Poole. So I there's still some bonuses to having Clay Thompson out there. Um, just being afraid of him hitting that three. And it's, of course, like I said, just defensively. But we, we might be seeing this. He might still be shooting so far. 40%, but he might hit a, a, a crucial three or two in one of these games. So he's still getting minutes if I'm uh, Steve Kerr. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, even though he's shooting bricks, no pun intended, or, well, let's just slide that in there. Yeah, it's a plug. He's shooting bricks. But no, I mean, he's one of those dudes, right? Like, like you mentioned, you can't leave him alone because he is a microwave. And I think to be quite, to be 100% honest, I think him shooting poorly these last few games it's just because he hasn't he hasn't played in the finals in over in almost a thousand days you see you guys see that commercial where it starts from like zero and then it goes up to like 941 or whatever that's how many days he missed and dude that's that's crazy like it's nuts yeah it's very nuts and the fact is that when you come to think of it, like this dude is tired. He's probably tired because the last game he played was in what? 2019. He game practiced. six, right? 
Are we yeah, it was 2019. Games in the playoffs or just games in general? Games in general. Uh, he played this season, right? Yeah, he played this season, but he came back like in December or some January, right? But his last game played was G- game six of the 2019 finals. Missed all of 2020, missed all of 2021, missed half of 2021-22. So it's, I think it's fine if he goes four of 19, one of eight from three, because it's to be expected, right? Like Curry's been playing for a while. Draymond's been playing for a while. Jordan Poole, whatever. But this is, I think this could be the new norm, at least until, at least for the series. That's what I'm thinking. I feel it. I mean, collectively, this this finals, he's shooting what eight for twenty one, and six for fourteen from three. So, <laughs> oh no, that's Jordan Poole stats. Never mind. Yeah. Let's go back to Clay Thompson. <laughs> that seemed too on. So let's go to Clay Thompson stats for this. Uh, he's shooting ten for thirty three, and he's shooting four for fifteen from three. Yeah. So sub forty percent from from three but the the shooting percentage as a whole that's just bad that's like 30 something percent i'm not good at math obviously but i feel like it's okay because we weren't we weren't expecting him to we the warriors collective we weren't expecting him to be like you mentioned g the the clay thompson from five years ago so we should temper our expectations when it comes to who which clay thompson we're getting defensively like you said he's still there like the dude is long, he's got good lateral movement, and he's just a big body. That's always going to be there, and I think that's what's more than anything going to to help out in this series. Okay, so my question to you two is: Who is Clay Thompson compared to the war to the Boston Celtics? So we have Curry as the MVP of the Boston of the of Boston of the <laughs> Golden State Warriors, and his his comparison is probably Jason Tatum. They're both the mm-hmm. number one options on their team. Now, can we compare who Clay Thompson is to who was on the Celtics? Yeah, probably a taller Marcus Smart. Practically, yes. He's he's the emotional kind of, in a way, kind of emotional leader of this team. Emotional co-leader. He's like the heart. He, he He's the guy in the locker room, you know, telling guys on the court, like, go there, go there. He He's, he's the one, you know, trying to help everyone keep cool and calm and collected. Yeah. He's just that dude that everyone likes, you know, like he's that guy. Let me be a little bit more specific on the, on the ladder of the scoring options. Clay Thompson is compared to who on the Boston Celtics. Marcus smart. Okay. And how much do we expect from Marcus smart points wise? 10 to 15. In my opinion, in my opinion, 10 to 15. Cause if, if, Jordan Poole scores 15. If Draymond scores nine, like he did today, Wiggins scores anywhere between 10 to 20 points. You can, you can kind of like push him down a little bit in the, uh, in the scoring order, if that makes so sense. So is, is Clay the fourth option on the Warriors in this playoffs? He, he very well could be. Yeah. Because if he is, that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm trying to say. Right. We don't, we don't, the Warriors, we don't need him to be 2017 clay, like you mentioned, because the Warriors, like Daniel mentioned, like you guys are making all fantastic points. This is the Warriors redux. And there's many more offensive options compared to those teams that they were on before, where you had Sean Livingston averaging seven, 
right? Or Andre Godalo, who can barely move nowadays because after one game, he hurt his knee and he can't play anymore. He was averaging nine to 10, right? You don't need Clay to go for 20 now. At least not yet. Probably next year when we when the Warriors get to the finals again next year, he can probably score 20 to 25. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah, um, that being said, anything else stand out to you guys? I mean, I have one last thing really quickly. I love the, the bench play. You know, shout out to Gary Payton, Nemanja Bialica, and Otto Porter. Those dudes played well. They, they did their job. And they played really well. Jordan Poole? Well, yeah, but we, we talked about him a lot already. So we're just going to we're gonna say tie to everyone else, all right? That's, that's how it's going to go. But anything else you guys want to add before we, uh, we go on to one very quick hitter? Mad props to Kevon, uh, Kayvon Looney tonight. Uh, part of why they won tonight was his presence in the paint. It was because of him that he set the tempo down in the paint. So without him, the Warriors would be at dis- would be at a disadvantage tonight. Fair. Kevon Looney, Looney Tune. Um, <laughs> I mean, the same thing that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Jordan Poole stood out to me. He looked like he was having a little bit more fun, a little bit more camera time, show showboating to the crowd. That's what stood out. So um, I just hope for a better competitive game next game. But still, the Celtics losing. Let's get them out of there. Go ahead, yeah. Warriors. Yeah, like I, like I, like I think in my mind, Warriors lose game one, win game two and three, lose game four, win five and six. That's what I envision happening. But I mean, I should probably put a bet on that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll win. But anyways, yeah, um, just one very quick header before we wrap things up. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Quinn Snyder stepped down from the Jazz, which is very surprising. Wow. I, was at, I was at work and I wasn't expecting that, and I just saw him like, whoa. What's going on? Apparently, he needed Jazz need a new voice, which means everyone's getting shipped out. It's a rebuild. G, you're happy about that? Yes, because that uh, means 45 Spider coming to LA, baby. Oh my god, delusional LA fan. I'm proud. That's a. Uh, I'll, I'll be. I'll confess, Jared. That's uh, what I've been thinking about too. I don't know if it, I doubt. Uh, I don't know if it happens, but you know, it it opens the door. Opens the door, even if it if it seems small. Even if the door is just like this, it's still an opening. Hey, I mean, if you know, if the Utah Jazz, you know, somehow magically want to trade Donovan Mitchell, we have a point guard. His name's Russ. We can we can ship him there. Russ All wants right. to go anywhere these days. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see what happens to Donovan Mitchell, like as like you guys mentioned. I mean, a lot of people have been writing that he might be going to New York, which weird. But anyways, I mean, I'm, I, I guess so. But who knows, right? It'll it'll be interesting to see how the situation plays out, especially since they have a longer than usual, I guess, summer. So they're seeing who they could hire, potentially Terry Stotts, because okay, I guess. That's but, uninspiring, but- honestly. If I'm Donovan Mitchell. Terry Stotts. I mean, the no. defensive, the defense is going to be there for sure. But we we saw with Dame, CJ, and Portland. He's he's the coach that can get you to the playoffs, maybe the conference finals, but that's where it's capped out at. 
that's just my thing. That's just what I believe. But how old is Don- Donovan Mitchell? Is like 25, 26. He's about to go into his prime. I think Donovan Mitchell might, you know, sooner or later, he might start entering, you know, having pictures of, you know, Larry O'Brien is at. So I don't, you know, I don't know if Western Conference Finals just just getting there is all he wants. He sooner or later he's gonna. No, I want to go to the NBA Finals. You know, yeah. and LeBron LeBron's still playing good. I guess, but what what about you, G? What do you think about all this Utah Jazz mania? It's gonna be a very interesting offseason. Um, I'm not shocked that Quinn Snyder left. I mean, it's time for a change. The re- he sees the the re- winter is coming. He sees the the rebuild happening. So, um, yeah, I the first the first bet is Rudy Gobert. He he needs to be the first one to go. Yeah, he, Donovan Mitchell says he wants out. I'm pretty sure 29 of the 30 teams call are going to be calling, including your Golden State Warriors. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> They'd be it'd be weird if they didn't. But exactly, it's crazy that we're saying that the Utah Jazz are about to rebuild when Gobert's 29 and Donovan Mitchell's 25. Like, dude, it doesn't the, work. I yeah. I guess so, but really dumb. Um, because uh, I was looking at his age. Just a quick aside, it says someone someone wrote that they should trade Anthony Davis for Rudy Gobert. No, no. Okay. <laughs> All right, fair, fair. Just a straight up no. no. But at any rate, things that you shouldn't say no to are subscribing to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. And again, quick shout out to the fans. You guys are awesome. We we love the back and forth, especially on TikTok. You guys have been killing it over there. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for the support. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. You know, just want to reiterate, I send my love to the fans as well. You guys have been away, have been amazing. I'm Daniel Wayne, Jurassic, you know, Jurassic World Dominion this weekend and joining me as well. Yes, we love the movies. Uh, keep it up, y'all. Keep engaging. Drop your comments, drop your reviews, and keep getting these shout outs. You know who it is. It's your boy, Really Real Trail Sets. And we will see you guys next time.